Welcome to Season 2 of Fracktown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 18 Reisner spread a satellite photo of the property on a bale of hay, pointing at the front porch. We announce our presence and we make entry here. You've got the battering ram, Reisner pointed at an agent who held the device in his hands. He turned to another pair of agents. You make entry through the kitchen door, here and back. We have a arrest warrant for federal murder for Kovach. That's the initial reason for making entry. There are seven women, eight if we include Mary Margaret Cleary, and the three men who live there, in addition to Kovach, for a total of 12. From what we can ascertain, the followers don't have any weapons, but we need to be careful just in case. We can't have another Ruby Ridge on our hands or another Waco. If anyone acts as if they have a weapon, you are authorized to use deadly force. I'm not losing another agent to this guy. Kovach is likely armed. We should be able to get his followers out of the building and clear each room. However, we anticipate resistance from Kovach. Reisner walked around the hay bale, his hands resting on the weapons holstered at his waist. A steer lowed quietly from the stalls on the other end of the barn. Our suspect defrauded a number of people in a number of states, but even more important, this is the bastard who killed one of our own. Even worse, left one of our own a widow. Reisner continued. Fiona looked at the ground briefly. She wasn't the kind of broad to get teary-eyed when times got tough. When her gaze returned to survey the team, her eyes were hard. We are not here to serve justice on Jeffrey Kovach, Reisner said. We are here to see that he gets his day in court, understand? He is to be taken alive if at all possible. But if he fires on us, we're justified in returning fire. And the support teams? One agent asked. Where are they? The local SWAT team is assembled to the south of here in a neighboring farm. They're ready to move on my command, Reisner said. In the event of injuries or fire, we also have EMS on hand, as well as a tanker truck and a fire truck. I'd come through the property from the north, but I wasn't surprised at the assembled firepower. Where do you think Mary Margaret is? I asked. That's the unknown. I'm going to have to rely on you and Agent Rafferty to locate her and get her out. Fiona nodded. What about Eileen O'Connor? We know what room she's in, the one at the top of the stairs, Fiona said. If she is his cash cow, he's likely to do anything he can to protect her and foil the efforts to get her back. Our main concern is neutralizing Kovach. Reisner nodded in agreement. Silently, the ten of us crept carefully towards the farmhouse, Reisner and Fiona leading the way, agents peeling off to cover each side of the building as we passed to report on any activities we saw or stop any escapees. At the front door, the seven of us wordlessly positioned ourselves on the opposite side of the Abbey's cast-iron doorknob. When the door opened inward, should anyone answer it, we would have a tactical advantage. A battering ram would make that tactic moot, but it was best to be prepared. I flipped the safety off my Glock. Reisner nodded at the agent carrying the battering ram. It was go time. FBI! Arrest warrant! Reisner bellowed. Open up! No response. Lights are coming on upstairs! An agent's whispered voice floated from Reisner's shoulder mic. We've got movement in the side bedroom, another whisper said. The back bedroom window is completely dark, another said. Reisner shouted his command again. FBI, arrest warrant, open up the door. No response. Reisner nodded at the agent with a battering ram. With one thunderous crash, the door ripped off its hinges and we charged inside. Similar sounds came from the back of the house as the team made entry. The other agents cleared rooms downstairs, entering each room, sweeping it for suspects or weapons before moving on to the next room. 
My heart pounded in my ears, and my breath became hard gasps as I charged up the stairs with Reisner and Fiona to meet a group of six screaming females, all dressed in the same plain cotton nightgowns. The women ranged in age from mid-twenties to late-forties. All of them made me think how easy it would be to con someone. I thought of Millie Angelis and the other women Kovach had conned, his first foray into the fake priesthood in Pocatello, and the poor widow whose money resulted in a free trip to the Caribbean. I thought about the folks who bought into his fake faith in not just Idaho, but Indiana and Ohio, and likely lost every cent they had to him. The sounds were deafening. On the floor! Hands behind your head! Down! And downstairs as each team made its way through each room, checking for threats. Clear. I rushed to the closed door at the end of the hall, the one where I'd seen Eileen O'Connor come out of earlier this week, and the only one still dark. I raised my foot and kicked it open. The door groaned as the top hinge gave way and fell onto the bedside table. The bed was made and the room was empty. The dinner tray sat on a plain table next to a small altar. Where's St. Giles? Where's Sister Cecilia? She's not in her room! I screamed. Reisner and I held our guns over the women as Fiona searched each one. Where's the new girl that came in today? A young woman timidly raised her head. I saw Father St. Giles grab them and take them downstairs to the kitchen right after evening vespers. He seemed really agitated. Who else is downstairs? Where's the men who live here? Reisner demanded. Where do they sleep at night? There's three of them the same timid young woman said. They sleep in the basement bedrooms. Check the basement. Kovach could be there with our two hostages and three others. I bellowed down the stairs. These girls are clear, Fiona said. Let's get them downstairs and out of here before things get really ugly. We weren't quick enough. The basement door groaned as another battering ram tore it off its hinges and the remaining team blasted down the basement steps. Move, move, move! We screamed as we helped them stand, and with their fingers laced together behind their heads, hustled them downstairs into the driveway, where we sat the terrorized and tearful group down on the gravel. With a wave of his hand, Reisner indicated that the other members of the entry team should guard the women in the driveway. The three of us turned back to re-enter the house. Request backup! Suspects coming through the storm cellar doors! Yelled an agent on the side of the house. Request backup! Reisner, Fiona, and I ran towards the west side of the house as three men burst from the basement into the yard. Two of them were monks and ran at the agents, their hands up. A third monk dragged Eileen O'Connor along by the wrist. Confronted by the FBI agents, they stopped and dropped to their knees. Confused, Eileen O'Connor stood until an agent put his gloved hand on her shoulder. The agent led her, along with the monks, over to the group of women and helped them sit down. Where's Kovach? I demanded. Where's the girl with him? The monks started to answer, but over by the half-constructed chapel, a pickup truck fired to life, barely obscuring the sounds of the woman's scream. Fitz, help, Fitz! All available weaponry turned on the group as Kovach's followers yelled their support. In the corner of my eye, I saw one of the fake monks try to stand, his fist pulled back. An FBI agent struck him in the chest with his rifle, and he fell to the ground. Run, Father St. Giles, run! Someone cried out. Bastard must have gotten out of the house before we were in position, Fiona said. He was waiting to see what we would do, that arrogant son of a bitch. This is the last time that happens. Fiona, don't. Fiona, I said. Stop and think about what you're doing. He's... She sprinted towards the truck. 
Suddenly, she and I were back to the night we first worked together. When she was a raw rookie running towards the fight on Rome Avenue, I had to protect her from herself, from her need to run at the man who killed her husband. I had to keep her from putting her life on the line just to prove that she was as good as any other agent out there. I had to keep her from settling the score herself. Bits of turf jumped up at my feet as the muzzle of Kovach's gun flashed. I threw myself behind an old cement mixer for safety. Fearlessly, Fiona kept running towards the truck, taking cover when she could behind the construction equipment and trees. The wheels on the old truck began to spin and squeal. Mary Margaret leaned out of the passenger window and screamed as Kovach grabbed her shoulder and pulled her back inside. Maybe Fiona was right. Maybe I did treat Mary Margaret like shit. That was about to change. Nobody, but nobody was going to get away with her tonight. Kovach leaned out the window one last time, popping off two more badly aimed shots that sent more turf flying into the air. In 20 years as a cop, I'd only fired my weapon once. In nearly 10 years as a PI, my Glock served as more persuasion than firepower. But not tonight. Not tonight. Nobody's going to get a chance to hurt Mary Margaret, or the woman who saved my own life many years ago. I gripped the Glock with both hands and began running towards the truck. I hadn't missed that night long ago, and I wouldn't miss tonight. I pulled the trigger as more shots flashed from Kovach's gun, and the truck fishtailed in the wet mud. Back in the yard, the SWAT team and support vehicles swarmed in, adding to the screams of Kovach's followers and contained confusion designed to keep them all off balance. Pain shot through my left arm as I returned fire and the bullets pinged off the truck bumper. Behind me, a woman groaned in sudden pain. The truck fishtailed again, gained traction, and roared through the yard and down the road. Oh God, no! Fiona, no! She was sprawled across the ground. Her service weapon slipped from her hand, and her arms hung ragdoll-like along her side as blood pooled beneath her neck. Her eyes locked on mine. Her mouth moved, but no words were formed. I couldn't lift her or search for where the bullet entered. Blood seeped through my own fingers as I held my right hand over my bullet wound. Her eyes wide with terror followed me, but her arms and legs didn't move. If she lived, she'd likely be paralyzed. I leaned over, close to her face, tears rising in my eyes. Fiona, please, say something. I love you, Fitz. I always did, she whispered weakly. You saved me once. It's my turn to save you. Stay with me, Fee. Stay with me. I staggered to my feet and, leaning against the chapel's partial stone wall, lurched to the corner to see where the shooter went. The country road was empty. Did he get away? Were we alone? My head was swimming. I couldn't discern anything from the chaos at the farmhouse behind me. Were they close by? Had they followed Kovach? Would they save Mary Margaret? I staggered back to Fiona and leaned over her, pressing the button on her shoulder microphone. The stars spun in the sky as I teetered on the edge of consciousness. Help! I gasped. Officer down! Officer down! We're behind the chapel!